You're listening to the Carnegie Tsinghua China in the World podcast, a series of conversations with Chinese and international experts on China's foreign policy, international role, and China's relations with the world, brought to you from the Carnegie Tsinghua Center for Global Policy, located in Beijing. I'm Paul Hanley, the director of the Carnegie Tsinghua Center, and I'll be your host. Today we're joined by one of the Carnegie Tsinghua Center resident scholars, Dr. Wang Tao, to discuss his recently published policy outlook, which details concrete, sustainable solutions on how China can better support its burgeoning electric vehicle industry. Wang Tao is an expert on climate and energy issues and runs a program at the Carnegie Tsinghua Center that examines China's climate and energy policies with particular attention to transportation and international climate negotiations. Prior to joining Carnegie, Tao was program manager at World Wildlife Fund in China, working in the climate and energy program. From 2006 to 2009, he was a researcher at the UK's Tyndall Center for Climate Change Research and the Science and Technology Policy Research at the University of Sussex. Tao, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Paul. It's my pleasure. Your policy outlook launch on electric vehicles comes in the midst of several important developments. Last January, Beijing witnessed what many say was the worst pollution in the city's history. It led many Chinese to change the way they think about pollution and question if China's pace of economic growth is worth the health costs. The Beijing Environmental Protection Bureau suggested that emissions from the more than 5 million vehicles in Beijing accounted for nearly a quarter of the pollution in the January smog crisis, followed by coal and industrial pollution. In September, to address public concern about the health hazards from pollution, the State Council announced an ambitious clean air plan aiming to reduce China's PM2.5 levels by 25% from 2012 levels by the year 2017. In recognition of the role that vehicle emissions play in contributing to pollution, the plan gives special emphasis to promoting new energy vehicles. It also requires cities like Beijing and Shanghai to have more than 60% of their newly purchased buses use new and clean fuel. The growth of China's car ownership is not only contributing to pollution, China is also in increasingly dependent on foreign oil. China is now importing more oil from Saudi Arabia than the United States. And as more and more Chinese purchase cars, this energy dependence on an unstable region will only increase. Wang Tao, you have follow been following the Chinese government's efforts to reduce energy intensity over the past decade and have argued that electric vehicles offer China an opportunity to cut pollution and pioneer an emerging industry. Can you start by explaining what opportunities electric vehicles offer China? What are the primary benefits to developing a strong electric vehicle industry? Thank you, Paul. For China, there are a few main benefits of electric vehicles that appeals to the Chinese government. The first is actually the energy security. Um, Electric vehicles will enable China to switch the fuel to electricity and also helps China to be less dependent on the oil import, which is already over 6 million barrels a day, or about 60% of the total consumptions. And secondly, that also helps to China reduce the airport pollutions, as the emissions from the vehicles are among the largest sources for the metropolitans like Beijing and Shanghai. And this will help to reduce the exposure of level of harmful pollutants in the popular city centers. And the third one 
is it will help to reduce the carbon emissions from the fast-growing transportation sectors and also provide a stimulus to the renewable energy development because when they combine together, it will act as a mobile energy system. And the last one, but not the least one, is that China expects to develop a very strong electric vehicle industries and it would become an important and a very uh, prosperous future engine for China's economic growth. Okay, so there are a number of reasons that promoting electric vehicle development should appeal to the Chinese government. What then are the major developments in the EV industry in China over the last decade, and what progress have we seen to date? Well, the Chinese government started its large-scale support of electric vehicle research and development with the National High Technology Research and Development Program, or what is otherwise known A63 program since 2001. And it then kicked off the 10 cities, 1,000 vehicle program in 2009 with large-scale pilot projects. By the end of 2010, this program also has expanded from 10 to 25 cities. Six of the cities were also identified as pilot for subsidizing private purchase of the new energy vehicles. And China's support grows further when the state council, the highest government body identified the new energy vehicles as one of the seven strategic new industries in 2012. In the same year, the State Council also approved the Energy Saving and New Energy Vehicle Industry Development Plan, which aims to have sold 500,000 battery-powered electric vehicles and plug-in hybrids by the end of 2015, and further to 5 millions by the end of 2020. It also pledged to invest more than 16 billion uh, U.S. dollars or 1,000 billion RMB by 2020 to achieve these targets. However, so far the progress is not very promising despite the very uh, huge and, and strong commitment from the government. By end of 2012, the deadline of the first phase of the 10 cities 1,000 vehicle program, only a bunch of cities has reached their targets. The private market is still lagging and the technology gaps remains. The sales of the EV in China was only about 8,000 in 2011 and about 12,000 for 2012. It was way behind what is needed to meet the 2015 targets, and most of them are still in the public sector. The market is still yet to take off. So your policy outlook acknowledges that some progress has been made in developing China's electric vehicle industry, but it also highlights the lessons learned from the setbacks over the past decade. You propose recommendations on what the Chinese government could be doing to support the domestic electrical, electric vehicle industry and the development of electric vehicles in China. Can you outline for us your policy, key policy recommendations? Thank you, Paul. There are four major policy recommendations we identified in the policy outlook. The first one is China actually should open up its electric vehicle market to the leading international automakers to promote the technology development. The reason is, unlike its development for the other advanced energy technologies, including wind and high-speed railways or nuclear powers, China is actually taking a more independent path on the electric vehicles by mostly relying on its own manufacturers. And despite the progress, the technology gap still remains, so we need China to act faster than this. The second is, rather than trying to boost the sales to the individual consumers, the Chinese government needs to prioritize 
promoting electric vehicles using in the commercial operation that relies on the large numbers of vehicles, such as car rentals or car sharing services, business distribution networks, or taxi companies in the, in the city centers. Also, the official government vehicles, etc. The public procurement and also corporate fleet orders will help to establish the electric vehicle market. The third suggestion is, instead of handing out hefty subsidies for the pur purchasing electric vehicles, China needs to focus on creating an environment that encourages electric vehicle use, including building the necessary infrastructures and providing incentives to stimulate the demand. This effort should also be better integrated with ongoing urbanization policies and the entire transportation systems, because most of the uh, electric vehicle buyers and, the, and in China today is not really that sensitive to the price because they purchase them as a second or even third cars and also then act as uh, their uh, social recognitions. And it's more important for them to enjoy the convenience of using electric cars than actually giving them the subsidies to reduce the price. The last one is China should shift away from the target sales numbers and to emphasize on the development of the self-sustaining business model of electric vehicles. The Chinese government is all, always very keen to have the specific numbers and the targets of the electric vehicle sales, but there is a huge risk if we only focus on the numbers because the technology of electric vehicles evolving so quickly, and if you're focusing on very large scale of numbers, it could offer you the economy of scale, but at the same time, you will be risking uh, to be locked into the technology that is less advanced once the technology has a new breakthrough. And also, because there is lack of self-sustaining business model, in order to meet the target, the local government is actually bearing a very huge uh, financial burden. And that also becomes a constraint for the further upscaling of the electric vehicles. So what is more important than the number is actually to nurturing a self-sustaining business model for the electric vehicles. So help us put the electric vehicle industry in the broader context. Tackling environmental degradation has been a, a key priority in all of the government's recent policy blueprints, from the 12th five-year plan to the 18th Party Congress uh, work report. Why is this important for China's economic development, for China's economic re rebalancing and the fulfillment of the Chinese dream? Well, today China's economy development is at a crossroad. The unsustainable development model, driven mostly by the investment, especially those heavy industries, caused not only the overcapacity issues of themselves, but also brought serious environment damages from the smogs we see today, but also the massive water and land pollutions. Therefore, the general public is getting increasingly concerned and also intolerant to this situation and they demand change. In this context, transiting to a more sustainable economic growth model that helps China to continue its development, moving higher in the production value chains without damaging the environment and harms people's health is a must. And developing electric vehicles is exactly a symbol of that transition because it will help China to grow up a higher position in the manufacturing with better return of the investment, but at the same time also helps to reduce the footprint of that industry growth, helps China to and at the same time to tackle the air pollution and also carbon emission issues. Now let's examine this in an international lens. Climate change is a global issue that affects all countries uh, and cannot be solved by any one country alone. The U.S. and China are the top two energy consumers in the world and the top two emitters of numerous air pollutants. Together, the U.S. and China are responsible for 40% of global coal consumption. 
Heavy-duty vehicles are the fastest-growing source of greenhouse gas emissions from transportation in the U.S. and account for around half of the transportation fuel consumed in China. Any significant progress on climate change will require cooperation between the U.S. and China. In June, at the Sunnylands Summit, the two sides made some progress on climate change, signing an agreement to cooperate on eliminating hydrofluorocarbons. The U.S.-China Working Group on Climate Change reconfirmed their joint efforts to develop clean fuel for transportation at the 5th SNED this July. What opportunities, Wang Tao, do you see for U.S.-China cooperation on electric vehicle development? There are a lot of similarities between U.S. and China. Both China and the U.S. are very committed in developing electric vehicles and taking this as a huge opportunity for the future. And both governments have taken a very proactive approach to provide very strong policy support to the purchase of the electric vehicles, hoping to initiate the market. In fact, there is also some interesting similarities between the U.S. and China in their approach to promote the electric vehicles. Unlike Japan, U.S. and China both take a market pool approach to develop the electric vehicle. That is, to focusing more on the nurturing the market and hope that market demand will help to drive, the, drive down the cost of the electric vehicles for further upscaling. But there are also nuances between these two. United States enjoy better infrastructures and public acceptance of the electric vehicles than in China. And started by developing high-end niche market before the upscaling and the national scale. While in China, the central government relies more on their pilot cities and public resources to help reduce the barriers of electric vehicles, mostly the price differences between the electric vehicles and traditional cars. But none of them has so far developed a sound business model for the electric vehicles, especially for the national-wide upscaling of the, of the industry. U.S. and China are the world's largest two car markets, so there is much room for China and U.S. to learn experiences from each other in forming the new market for electric vehicles at its early stage. Indeed, U.S. and China already start to have the technology cooperation platform on the uh, electric vehicles following the very early visit by the President Obama to China in 2009, and that is already quite progressive. But I think now it's a time for both countries to work more closely, not only just on the technology development, but also on how to create the market and a business model for the electric vehicles. Wang Tao, thank you so much for spending time with us today. That's it for this edition of the Carnegie Tsinghua China in the World podcast. If you'd like to read Dr. Wang Tao's full policy outlook and other recent publications, you can find those on the Carnegie Tsinghua website at www.carnegietsinghua.org. I encourage you to explore our site and see the work of all our scholars at the Carnegie Tsinghua Center. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in next time.